Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. No matter what time you're tuning in, welcome to the Roundabout Podcast. Bringing the hottest sports topics from Boston, New York, and all around the country. I'm your co-host, Sam McCaffrey. Alongside me, as always, Johnny Aldsworth, Owen Guns in Colorado today, and a special guest of the show today, um, making making an appearance for the first time in what five years six years alex hill he's back from the oh, dead I knew you were gonna say back from the dead i hate when yeah you say decade right oh, yeah and you just knew that sam as soon as sam said don't interrupt my entry i don't know all of us out there i thought it was, Not that it was no it. but you're right i haven't been on in a uh, decently long time and thanks for throwing some shade sam so uh so yeah thanks for throwing that out there but no uh good to be back good to talk and uh what a show to be on for again as the yankees fall in the most saddest of ways possible <laughs> what okay so let me just say it out loud yes yeah, sam's got his patented you know hand over his eyes staring up at the heavens looking up at the sky his eyes are pretty much bulging outside of his uh <laughs> I saw he still got his Yankees hat and jersey on, so that's about as down bad as you can get right there. Fellas, I've been to a lot of baseball games in my life. I've been to a lot of Yankees games in my life. That, from a regular season standpoint, because I've seen them lose on a walk-off in the playoffs, and that was the worst thing ever. From a regular season standpoint, I think, and I've seen them lose, a, I've seen them lose games at Fenway by 16 runs. That was the worst regular season baseball game I've ever seen, and I probably will ever see. <laughs> Bro, you go from having a literal no hitter through seven innings, up four runs, kind of doing a pretty good job with runners on base. They got a couple of hits. It wasn't great, but you know, they couple of timely hits, you know, Torres, Odor, blah, blah, blah. And then 20 minutes later, you're losing. It was <laughs> as soon as Renfro hit the double, too, you're like, it's happening. No, so I wasn't I wasn't too concerned there. I was like, okay, that's one. Let's bear down a little bit. Then Vaz got that yeah. hit, and I was thinking, I'm like, Ugh. yeah. But the thing that really did it for me was when freaking Franchi got the hit. That would that's when I was yeah. like, because his at bats were horrible, so oh, bad, so bad. As soon as he bangs <laughs> that single, I was like, okay, this this is over. I need to. But that's the thing. Thursday night too. It was bottom of the order that started it. That's your that, bottom that's of the order sad, too. That's another sad thing, by the way. Thursday night should have been the worst game of the series. Oh no! I would no no. You know what the saddest part of the whole series was that the Yankees at worst should have split the series at yes, worst. Completely. Completely. Uh, they blew it in the ninth in the first game. They yep. lost handedly in the second. I guess you could say that they maybe shouldn't have won that game. No, they yesterday. completely should. They, dude, uh, four two-out runs, they absolutely – and Evaldi was dealing. They absolutely shouldn't have won that. They absolutely yeah. collapsed, and at worst they should have taken – they should have split, but they honestly could have and should have probably taken three or four if you include that, you know, comeback in the eighth. Mm, it, it goes – looking okay. at it from an optimist. But ceiling three-fourths and at worst yeah. go two and two, and they go one and three, and uh, they're done, man. They are done, and they are sad, and that today was just it, – it, it almost becomes, as a sports fan, and specifically a Red Sox fan, just funny at this point when you're watching the game. And your team's in good, like, standing, so you're just so like, okay, this is fun to watch. Yeah. And you see a team like the Yankees, just like – you just can feel an unraveling coming. Like, and, and, and your team's losing and getting no hit, and you're kind of LOLing, thinking your team's going to get no hit. And then the next <laughs> thing you see is your team up 5-4 – 
because the other team just somehow cannot get out. They just miraculously do not know how to get guys out when it matters. And the bottom of the lineup tears your your, your bullpen up again. Sorry, that that's, that's a good transition point to the agenda for today. I completely forgot about this. Which my we're going to get in. Okay, we already so- right now we, we we already started it but we're gonna dive deep into the red Sox taking three out of four against the yankees what should the yankees do with the deadline now the deadline's on friday what should they do that's five days away what should the Sox do first place and uh, kind of to go off what you're saying uh hilly the one baseball game out of 162 is like the least consequential thing ever i mean it's a close division race but there's nothing better than taking that game and treating it like it's the World Series. It's so much fun. Well, especially when you have the padding of being like, my yeah, team that's good, what I mean. and that's they don't need I mean. to win. And it's just like, whatever. And then they do come back. Because for a certain point, like we're just out there trolling along, saying they're going to come back, they're going to come back. Yeah. But then when they actually come back, and it just comes in such an improbable and tragic way for the Yankees, <laughs> that's when it gets funny. They were dead in the water. It was not a game. You had zero hits going into the eighth even, inning. Even Thursday the, night, the, the, it dude, was the best contact that the, JD hit a ball that was fouled by like a foot. That yeah, was the best contact yeah. they had through seven innings. Yeah, they, they had nothing. Literally even, nothing. I was gonna say even Thursday night, uh, it was. Devers, Martinez, and Bogarts. Oh, and got Sesa out, got him out in five pitches. Yeah, he got out in the eighth, right? So then you're going pitches. to the ninth, and it's uh, Verdugo, Vasquez, Dahlbeck, Chavis. Oh, Vasquez, Vasquez started it because Green, Vasquez, Green right. shut Vasquez, him down, looking, and I was like, made him look yeah, foolish. I, got, so I was like, I, okay, we're chilling. Yeah, it was Vasquez, Verdugo, Dahlbeck, and you're like, ah, dang. Lo and behold, the unsung heroes come up. And that's what it's been for the Sox. Every single one, every single player is contributing. Can I? But I'll let you to do your Yankees thing first, and then we'll get I, into the Sox. Sorry to cut you. All right, you know what, Alex? You go right now. I'll do I was going to say, Sam, there is hope. No, this is actually funny. Uh, the Yankees feel like they're dead, and like literally they feel like they're just going to collapse and just ruin themselves as a okay, So you, you, guys, you guys make – You just said I could speak. You just said I, I could speak. I thought you were done. I'm sorry. I thought you were I thought you were just saying they were dead. I thought you were done. I'm sorry. Keep going. I took a comma in my sentence, and you decided to jump in and be the the Superman. Uh, uh, You just screwed me over. No, (laughs) Uh, they 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 are now the worst franchise ever. Yet they are three and a half games out of the playoffs or the wild card. So it's going to be funny when they go all out on a trade deadline acquisition and don't make it. (laughs) They miss. But yes, Sam, your team's only three and a half games out. I'm going to save the deadline bit for a little bit because I have a lot of thoughts on that, but I'm, I'm going to read you a little list. This goes all the way back to Memorial day weekend. Oh, I'm, I'm, this is going to be pleasurable for me. Memorial day weekend is what? Uh, May 29th. May 29th. Yeah. Get Memorial day so they're winning two to one in the ninth inning against the Tigers. The Detroit Who's Tigers. Who's they? Who is they? Yankees. Yankees. All this is Yankees. And Justin Wilson is on to close the game. Justin Wilson's got about like an eight ERA right now, so he gives up a two-out, two-run walk-off home run. That's one. June 10th, they're winning 5-3 to three going into the bottom of the ninth against Minnesota. 
Chapman blows a five-three lead with four straight hits and two two-run home runs, and out of nowhere, the Yankees have what should be a sweep turned into a loss. June twelfth, just two days later, the Yankees mm-hmm. rally from seven to three down in the eighth inning, two-out game-tying three-run home run by Lemayhew. They don't score in extra innings and they lose to Philadelphia. Fast forward ten days later, uh, they're winning. What was it? They're winning. I think. I want to say either three to two or four to two um, going into the eighth inning. It's the Royals at home, Kansas city, bad team. And Jonathan, the allows four in the eighth inning. Hmm, Jesus, that sounds familiar. Mm-hmm. Um, fast forward eight days later, you could even, th- that's by the way, skipping over the debacle that's skipping over two debacles that were both of those Red Sox series. That's skipping over those. That's not even counting. those. June 30th. Yankees lead seven to one after one inning. They score one run until the ninth. There's eight million hours of rain delays. Chapman Is this gives, the Angels one? Chapman gives up a game tying grand slam in the top of the ninth inning, and then proceeds to allow like three more runs in the ninth inning. They lose that game. I think that was my favorite one. I'm gonna <laughs> become a meme. He's the funniest guy in the world. I'm just getting. I'm just getting started here. This, this list is not over. How do you not Google his name and laugh? I, I don't know how. It's I, Look at his face and then look at him pitch and you just LOL. One of like three Yankees players should probably be in jail the, right now, they, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the third Don't, one? Herman, um, the guy that had the no hit. Herman. No, no, no. There's another one. Who's the other? There's got to be another one in there somewhere. <laughs> not, off the, not off the top of my head. I think there's only just those two. There's two? Yeah, I think there's those two. Um, July what 4th. a moral franchise. Only two. <laughs> July 4th, they're being the Mets 5-4, to four, going into the top of the 7th because it was a doubleheader. For whatever reason, uh, Booney Tunes decided to put Chapman in to close the game out. So immediately as that happens, Pete Alonzo takes him deep, and then the Mets decide, all right, we're going to put five more up in the inning. So they lose 10-5 to five in a complete just debacle of a game on the 4th. Brett Gardner should probably be in jail. Um, Brett Gardner actually had a pretty good season. <laughs> Brett Gardner had a pretty good season. Um, yeah, I don't mind Brett Gardner. I mean, he's, I mean, oh, can I just divulge? Can I – like real quickly, when they put a stat up that says the heart and hustle oh, – I was just going to say the heart and hustle. Board, it's just like congrats on running know, the ball out. Like, congrats on running the ball out hard to first. Like, that's, like, what you get in Little League. Sorry, Sam. You can't Okay. July 11th, a week after the Mets the Mets closed, I've lost track of how many of these games I've said. They're winning 7-2 to two in the ninth inning. 7-2 to two in Houston going for the sweep would have been the series of the year by such a wide margin. And Altuve, of all people, hits a walk-off three-run home run, and the Yankees give up a six spot in the bottom of the ninth inning. Then you fast forward 11 days to Thursday night. You're up 3-1 to in Boston. Your pitching is throwing a gem. Uh, Chad Green can't get the bottom of the lineup out, out. And then you go to extras, and Brooks Krisky, whose name I never want to hear mentioned again in my life, puts literally every single ball that inning to the backstop. I think the Red Sox, the Red Sox scored two runs that inning without getting a hit. That's embarrassing. I think that was the worst relief appearance I've ever seen. I, no, I've seen, I've seen worse. I've seen Jonathan Holder give up. Oh, that's a good, that's a good point. Well, Jonathan Holder at least threw strikes, threw the ball True. over the plate. Christy literally did. Um, and then today where your like struggling four starter goes seven no hit innings. Socks literally are just asleep. 
And the Yankees have kind of been playing a pretty good game, clean game, defense is there, blah, blah, blah. And then 20 minutes later, the Red Sox are winning five four. So that's so my list is done. I know that was a lo- that was a long little read, but you know, that's Worth out of it. my that's out of my control because this fucking team can't finish a baseball game. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. That's nine of those games in a two-month span. Most bad teams will have three or four of those, not nine. They've had nine of those. It's unbelievable. It's it's really really unbelievable. Like you guys jump, you guys jump on me for like yes. Oh my god, Alex. For those wondering, we're laughing at Earl's mug shot. You guys got on me yesterday for the fir- when Chapman's first pitch was like way high and inside on Verdugo, and I was like, uh uh-uh, uh, nope, I'm not watching this. And I ran yes. up. To- yes, yes, watch, watch the game. You get on a- okay, let's okay, but like, no, but I'm saying, I'm saying, you get on me for that. There's a reason for that. They're that was hilarious, though. I do that because every single time they come into this godforsaken ballpark, like I think so. I think since 2016, they've had at least one like epic meltdown in Fenway every single year, and I happen to be there like every single time. 20 you also go to every every single Red Sox Yankees game at Fenway, so you're going to be. Yeah, okay, I know, but we don't need to list them again here. We don't need to list them. I just want to get in front of that. I won't. But, but like, they, it's just like there's a reason I do it. It's like I know that it's coming. I want to know why the Yankees seem sort of okay with it. There's been no reaction to their season at all this year. And I know you scream fire and boom. I mean, I don't understand why he was ever there in the first place because he hit a home run in 2003. But also if you just look at the roster, it's clearly not good enough when you have the bullpen there that, I mean, who, who, what's their typical pen there? You got rid of Ottavino, so it was Wilson and O'Day they replaced him with not good uh, Well, honestly, so up to this point, what has been cooking the best for them was... Well, actually, that's actually true. But. Like, Loisega and Green, the guys that blew it, like, have they've been their guys. Like, I didn't disagree with putting Green in, in the ninth on Thursday at all. Loisega, Why was he not in today? I was wondering that a little bit myself. Might have been a matchup thing. Yeah, they also went back to back days with a guy who just came off of the. Yeah. That's what I was just going to say. Like, I understood putting Green in. Like, that's he's just got to execute that game's not on boom. But um, Loisega today, like, it's his second game off of the COVID list. And let's not act like he looked great yesterday. Like, the Sox almost tied the game in the eighth inning. Yeah. So, um, I didn't understand that move, but like up to this point, that has been working for them bullpen wise, but you get, um, you know, you just run these, they were kind of running these guys into the ground a little bit in the beginning of the season. And it's one of those where, you know, you overtax your bullpen at the start because your starters aren't getting as much length as you want. And, um, you know, Kluber going down in May doesn't help them not getting Severino back yet. Doesn't help them. Herman start struggling a little bit. Doesn't help them. Like, they have to keep using these bullpen guys when they're in these close games. And like it, you know, it starts to break down. It's catching up to them because, you know, the like all those games that I just listed, like, you know, Chapman was horrible for the entire month of June. Green has been bad this month. Loisega just came back from the COVID list and he got, you know, he hasn't exactly been smooth the past two days. So 
I'd also like to add this, which is, can you think of, and the Yankees are bad. Like, they, yes. like they're bad, and that's yeah. totally yep. fine. 100%. They're in the hardest position, which is a team that's in win-now mode, not winning. Well, I they're in pressure, outside pressure of win-now when they're not actually in win-now mode. Yeah. I, I mean, they are. They're always you can't going, say they're not in win-now. They're, they're always going to be in win-now mode because of the franchise. Oh, I thought – I thought I thought you're no, they're absolutely. I thought you're saying they weren't actually in win now mode, and that was just outside. That's what no, I thought. They, no, they are not actually. What I'm saying is like their team is not built for win now mode, but their outside pressure makes it so they have to be built for win now mode. Like they're not a win now team, but their franchise is just no. So that's the thing. They are, but they're not winning. That's what I'm saying. But they're not. They're, also they're not built that way. Team. They're trading prospects for players. But what they're I'm saying, signing people to big contracts. I think we're saying the same thing, but just not communicating it. We're both saying that they are losing games, and I am saying that they are not in a good situation to win now. No. That they might be built for it. They do continue to lose. And if we're being honest, they haven't been like the only reason. Like one of the things I forgot when it was, it was either some Casman presser at the end of June or Hal's presser at the beginning of July. But one of the two of them said something along the lines of like, you know, this was a good team last year that immediately caught my attention because it was like, no, they weren't a good team last year. They were barely above 500, not too dissimilar to how they're playing right now. Snuck into the playoffs because everybody made the playoffs last year had a freaky little two-game series win against Cleveland because you got Garrett Cole in one game and you flip a coin for game two and they ended up, you know, winning the coin toss. And then they got outschooled by the Tampa Bay Rays who have a payroll one-fifth their size. And then they uh, fast forward to now, and it's the exact same – it's the exact same mediocre team. It's the exact same pitching rotation with, you know, a lot of – like they need a lot to go right. And if it does, that rotation is going to be great, but there's a lot of volatility there and there's not enough, you know – depth or whatever and the lineup is the lineup is just not good they coming into either yesterday or today the only team that was worse than them with run hitting and runners in scoring position is the pittsburgh pirates which is just for a team with that kind of payroll and those expectations that should never ever 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 happen that's inexcusable also it's cool when you see the red sox and yankees play each other because at this moment in time talk about two teams that are just on total opposite ends of the spectrum yeah not just yeah. In, not just in the way like they are in the standings but also like the yankees are just like a deplorable team to watch no like, i know like john carlos stanton is an embarrassing baseball player like oh he is actually he <laughs> is the problem with baseball and that uh, he is just he, uh, he just doesn't know how to swing the bat like he actually it's... doesn't have to swing the bat and then they also have and you can say whatever you want about him you think he's good Gary Sanchez is a bum, bro. Like, he is, like, actually, like, talk about a guy that doesn't want to play baseball. Like, they have a bunch of guys on that team that not only underperform, but just don't care. Like, just do not want to win or be there. They are just, like, they, they, they and the Red Sox, look on the other side, are just the absolute opposite. I mean, they are in games, and even when they're out of games, they're still in them, and they want to be there, and they have fun. I mean, you can look at this, the Yankees, and it's, it's just bad top to bottom. Johnny, did you have something or do you want me to respond? To um, I was just going to make a comment on Stanton. 
that like he doesn't you, it, when he makes contact it's hilarious oh, swing, i know his swing because is a he hits it so hard with just no effort but when he misses you're just like what is he doing there were at least five times this weekend where i saw him swing at a pitch and i'm literally i'm just like what on earth are you doing bro like so the the thing with i disagree i disagree with you on sanchez you can say what you know he's Dude, been he's not a player you want on your team alex he he had he he was great today. Um, was hurt Friday, so we didn't get to see much of him. But the only reason why they're above five hundred right now is because he fixed his swing and his you know his leg kick is gone, so his timing is a lot better. And he's looking honestly a lot like the Gary Sanchez we saw in the first two years of his career, like the actual good player. Um, like if you if you watch a video of him swinging a ball, you know from 2018 or 2019, he's got this massive leg kick. Now it's barely there. Which was this the same Gary Sanchez that I am looking at that is hitting 219, or am I wrong? That is he same? had so is first, this the same guy. I'm just curious. No, it, it is, but there's context that needs there's context that needs to be taken with that. He literally went oh for whatever for a month, and he's that, been hitting. He's that been doesn't count. Probably that doesn't count. I mean, recent. No, no, I know. I'm just, I'm just saying. Like recently, when he, you know, made the change to his swing, he's the past month or two, he's been one of, if not their most productive bats. Okay, but I'm just saying, if you look at a 219 batter, just objectively. No, I know, but you look at a guy like you look at a guy like, um, you know, Rugnet Odor, who's been bat, who's been batting like three. His batting average right now is like 230, but he's been hitting like 320 over the past 45 games, and he's. Their three hitter, and he's putting good. Oh, wood I thought up. he looked good this weekend. I thought he had some clutch hits. No, he no, he did. I know, but I'm saying like the num the numbers, and I'm not saying that those don't matter. I'm just saying like you know when you, it's one thing if a guy like Giancarlo Stanton does that and his swing stays the exact same because Stanton has been the type of player where you know you look at last October where he's the most feared hitter in baseball, and anything that gets thrown over the plate gets hit 450 feet, and a week later he's putting the worst swings on baseballs that you've ever seen in your life. There's no fundamental change. Sanchez and Odor both, like, they were not doing well. There's a reason that the Yankees got Odor for nothing. He sucked at baseball for, like, three years. They make these changes, these fundamental changes with their swings, and, like, they get back to the caliber of player that we've seen them be before. I just feel like he's another one of these Yankees players that goes through the motions, doesn't care. When you need him in a game, he's either hurt, or he's, you know, walking down the baseline, or he's doing this or that. He's pulling out of the game. He just feels like another one of these. He had a triple. He had a hustle triple today. Okay, everyone at some. I'm just. Point. I'm just yeah, saying. He hit a triangle. A triple's I mean, a triple. You're, saying, but I, I, you're calling it. You're no. I'm just saying. You're calling him. You're trying to call him fat and lazy, and he like. He, he is fat and lazy. Yeah, and he busted. And he, after he but, busted it today, and. Your 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 catcher's hitting two nineteen, and he's missing games for hamstrings, and then. Bullpen catching or catching in between innings, like that that bothered me. This guy does not care. That bothered me a little bit yesterday. I think it's just when you look at these players on Red Sox and Yankees teams, there is a cohort on the Yankees team that does not want to be there, does not care, and they just show up. And they're not good. And Johnny's waving his hands. This is the least I've ever gotten to talk in a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I I was just gonna say that I think Hilly's point. If you look on the flip side of that. Verdugo breaks a no hitter. He's at second base. He's like, like that was kind of that was. Like, let's go right. But that was I think that's part of it. 
No, I think that's part of it. Dude, Vasquez he was telling like he won the World Series when he was down four nothing. Obviously, in hindsight, that looks great because they won the game. But like, if a Yankee, like you guys, if, if like Luke Voigt did that or something like that, you would be on my case. Like, no, yeah, because the Yankees no, wouldn't have come back and won. But here's the oh, thing: the Red Sox are good well, they and they win that. and they have fun. <laughs> my guy, my and they have fun and they believe. You know, did there was a. Uh, Kike, Kike said after the game today that when Cora went out and replaced Yaxel Rios with Josh Taylor, Cora said to them, if we get out of this inning, we're going to win this game. Like you you see Verdugo get on there. He puts his hands up. He's not putting his hands up because they broke up the no-hitter. He's putting his hands up because he thinks that he's starting a rally. Vasquez hits his little bloop single. You see him point to the dugout? It's because he knew. They believe. There's a belief in that team. They're going to come back in these games. They know this stuff. And that's that's part of it. They know it. Like. <laughs> <laughs> that's one of the greatest pictures of all time <laughs> pablo sandoval is on our computer screen right now he's his, got his, hanging out in spring very hanging out um, great pictures of all time but yeah i we'll, we'll get to the deadline in a second can, can we talk about the red sox doing good things for a second Sam? i get one more point that's a no come on dude just one it, it like it, it's on the same topic of so i don't I get to talk 30 minutes about the Bruins whenever I want to. Sure, whatever, man. I should not have agreed to that. Go. Go. Say it. Anyway. So, I think what you're trying to say is that the Yankees are a bunch of individuals and not a team. I don't think that's a product of the – I don't think that's, like, a thing of the guys that they have. I think it's more of just an organizational, like, it's – so Aaron Boone is – they hired him to be a passive manager. They hired him to be a not, you know, mess with too much, like sort of let the players do the policing, kind of not too not too dissimilar from, you know, Alain Vigneault as a head coach in the NHL. Like, you know, they said that about him too. That's all fine and good when, you know, things are working. Like that 2019 Yankees team was a juggernaut. They, no matter what injuries or whatever you threw at them, they just won and you know like that whole next man up mentality and Boone you know with his savages rant or whatever like you know that was working then the problem with that style of manager is when things start to spiral a little bit and I'm the players get frustrated and things like this start to happen and you don't have a manager who can step up and right the ship like to your point I think it's tacky but I also think it's true like this whole Cora, we're going to win this game thing. Boone's not going to do that. And that's not necessarily a fault of his own because I don't think the Yankees brought him. I don't think the Yankees brought him in to be that guy. Did you hear what he said today? How are you going to deal with adversity? We're going to deal with it like we have all season. <laughs> I didn't hear that now. But, <laughs> I um, think he just does the same press conference every other day, which is that his team just lost and blew a big game. Oh, Boone, dude, don't like, get me started. Don't get me started. This one, this one was tough. I'm, I'm gonna be. I will be. I will be screaming my head off for the next 45 minutes if you get me going on Boone press conferences. I'm not talking about that for everybody's sake here. I'm not talking about that. But I just, it's. They brought. I don't necessarily think it's a fault of his own because I think he's just doing the job that the Yankees told him to do. The problem is that job is not what the team needs right now. So by that. By that, it's his fault. But it also goes all the way up to Cashman and management because that's the kind of setup that they wanted, and that kind of setup is blowing up on it right now. 
So I think it's a, I think it's more of an organizational thing than a player's thing. I think if you actually get a manager in there and like some less all or nothing, like righty hitters, like just some lineup diversity, they can battle. I think you would see a lot of things change because there's a ton of talent on that team. It's just not being put together right now in the, in the most optimal way. See, I agree with you too. I don't think it's as much of a, you know, team thing or a manager thing, but I do think it's such an organizational flaw that they, the Yankees are honestly in the past, God, what has that been? Since 2009, they've been a joke. They don't adapt. No. Like they do not, they do like, what's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over again without actually changing it. Like Cashman doesn't seem to, their whole thesis is that, oh, if we're struggling, what do we do? We buy, we buy more, we buy more, we buy more. We're upset. What do we do to become happy? We buy, we buy, we buy more. Not actually fixing a problem or looking at, I mean, the Red Sox lineup, not this weekend, but just in general, like historically, the Yankees roster on paper should outmatch the Red Sox, just generally speaking over the last decade or so. Generally speaking, with talent top yeah. and bottom. Yeah. However, and the Red Sox have been up and down. The Yankees haven't won. The Red Sox have won. Uh, where of the seasons where the Red Sox won, it's been, you know, a lot of like team continuity, like a feeling on the team of like, oh, this team actually, and this sounds weird, feels like they win games. Like they feel like they come from behind. They feel like they care. With the Yankees, man, it's just, it's the same thing. It's the same bought in players when they're succeeding, they're winning. And when they face any sort of problem, it's just all falling apart for them. I, I just think it's an organizational flaw. Well, that's the thing. That's the thing. A lot of the types of hitters that they have, they're, you know, the all or nothing righty power guys. So it's like, oh, it's all up to me. I'm going to, you know, I have to smoke a home run here or something. And you miss a slider by three feet. It's like the Sox do the thing where they just, you know, stack at bat after at bat. They after strike out bat. a lot, though. They do strike out. The Red Sox, the Yankees. Red Sox struck out a bunch the other day. Yeah, but still, they put like they put together these at bats, like the eighth inning today. Like that was just, you know, that was just team baseball. That was, you know, let me, you know, just smack a sim- simple single or a double, and you know, leave it up to the next guy behind me. The Yankees are always going for that big swing, and that's how Cashman has built the team. Like you look at a team, like people talk about the Yankees analytics department. You look at how the each team has an analytics department. The Yankees analytics department or information, whatever you want to call it, is centered around that all or nothing approach where it's like the, Oh, if you get the three run home run, you know, it's going to work. But you know, so many times you just see that not work. And then you look at a team like the Astros or the Red Sox, the priority is contact. And you know, these guys just string together at bats. They're so tough to score so many runs. Like I, it, I think it's just, it stems from the top, but so it's not necessarily a thing of the players. Like the players are doing like what they're supposed to do. The problem is when you put all the pieces together, the puzzle, it's not going to work. Do we want to use that? I know you were talking a little bit about um, flipping sides here a little bit to that. You, you, were, you were talking a little bit about like the Red Sox and you know moves or whatever. Do we want to kind of use that as a pivot to the deadline a little well, bit? I was I was just going to comment on the kind of the other side of that, where as two players for the Red Sox that led the charge Thursday night and tonight, two players that have just been unbelievable signings: Kike Hernandez and Hunter Renfro. Kike has been. He's, Dude, he's top 20 in the AL in war. Most – they showed a graphic yesterday, most extra base hits in the past month. I think. Yeah. He's, the American league. I think he's been statistically one of the best outfielders in the league too. What a signing. He, he's a he's a hell of a baseball player. 
player. He is just a ball player. He's a hell of a But play like, any, you look play at any that. position, give you a competitive at bat, little pop. He's but a better like, version of Brock Holt. I feel. Wait, who did you say? Kike. Oh, I thought he said Plawecki. I don't know why. Plawecki is a good play. Like I that was the feel- first time he, they've given him real at bats. Like put him in situations like that. That was very interesting, but it made sense. I feel very confident with him at the plate. I don't he's know a why. Very low percentage strikeout guy. Like I he's feel like the ball's getting in play. He feels like I don't know why. I, he feels like a more contact hitting, pinch hitting Johnny Gomes when he gets in there. He's just gonna hit the ball because he's got a really short swing. You're right, actually. It's, just like it's the same. It's similar. Like I'd rather see him up there than. Cordero, Dahlbeck. I mean, I think you'd see literally just about everybody over Cordero, to be fair. But yeah, okay, uh, but like, that's I don't what I mean. Like, up there. like that was just situation over. Like for uh, it's tough to say. Like Verdugo at times. Like I almost feel like I'd rather definitely see not Verdugo. But I know what you. Mean. I would like, rather have him up there in a situation to not strike out. Right? Put the ball in play. Second. Actually, you know what. We've cut off Johnny way too much. Johnny, go. Verdugo has a very low striker. Right? I don't think that's the best really? best example. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but, like, Sam, your qualm with the Red Sox coming into the year was Martinez, Bogart, Stevers, Verdugo, who else? Right? That's what your your argument why they would be bad was. Look at look at what has propelled them. The Kikes, the Renfros. Look what Christian Arroyo has done. He's on the DL. Yeah, but, no, they – yeah, those, they, those oh, yeah. they're having career years. Those guys, like, look at the, look at what you have in the bullpen. That's been unbelievable for you, right? Like, even today, you, they pulled out the the Tito quote that you don't chase wins and during the week, right? You don't you don't put your high leverage guys in when you're losing three four nothing. Workman came out wasn't very good. His time is probably done, but still, you have those guys. You have Rios, your Workman's Taylor's been unbelievable, right? Those guys come in, they keep it close for you. Like that inning where the Yankees had the bases loaded at the time, it's like, oh, well, this could, could break it open. Myself, while that happened, if they didn't <laughs> score, it was going to come back to bite them, and that's exactly what happened. Like for me, you look at the Red Sox, who, and I guess now we'll transition to the deadline, who now have, you know, you had a very good first half. You've added – You've added Jaron Duran to your team, who looks like they're kind of going to ease him in facing him only against righties. You've added Tanner Houck to your team, who was really, really good the other night. And you're going to add Chris Sale to your team. So that's three pretty big internal additions. Where Where's the big hole in the Red Sox roster? Uh, well, if they want to keep playing Kike in the outfield, I would say one of either – center or second, whatever position Kike doesn't play. I don't think they're banking on Duran to be that guy yet. Christian Arroyo has been fantastic. I would I also to- can't stay They've also they, this the has been fluky injuries though. <laughs> huh? Yeah, but so with like, you know, eight zillion of the Yankees injuries. Like if you can't bottom line, if you're not playing, you're not playing. You need something. Yeah, but it's not like if he goes out, it's not like I'm just like, no, oh, I, I, inj- I, it's not like he's injury prone. But I would say the whole, I would, my, the answer was, I think a left-handed hitting first baseman. You, I'd find with Dahlbeck against lefties is awful, awful, awful against righties though. So there's that. And then I think I have a, I have a, or like a theory about the starting rotation. Um, but I want to hear your thoughts first. Is the Red Sox starting rotation good enough? Should they address it at the deadline? I think they yes, should add a pitcher. I, they totally should. 
or two. I mean, it's, I mean, if you look at the roster, their, sorry, their lineup, uh, the lineup's good. And I would say this, I was going to say this and correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, they've been healthy this year. They've been pretty lucky with no, their health. It's the main reason why they're good. Among their best players. I mean, they, they have had every single rotation. The whole first half, their rotation was one, two, three, four, five, every single time. So they've been very fortunate with staying healthy. So, I mean, and when you do get down into like their roster, when they're, you know, they've had a tough time with filling the gap at first base at times. And when, uh, Arroyo's out. Chavis is just not a viable option. He's just not. I mean, they're Can't just not going to send him out there. So, okay, if you look at how healthy they've been, it's fine. But what happens if Bogarts goes down? You know, or like what happens if one of these guys and in the infield or the outfield, you know, gets hurt and they're, you know, core part of their lineup? It would be nice to have someone in there that might be able to platoon both infield and outfield. That's the thing, though. Their depth has actually been very good. And interestingly enough, They've been very lucky with their starting pitchers staying healthy, especially when you have Richards and Evaldi. Who's their depth, though? Who's their depth? I, they, uh, I mean, if you want to go into the minor leagues, which I know no, you I don't. I want to go into who is on the MLB roster. I mean, that that's kind of the thing, though. When, when, was, the, hurt. <laughs> when was the last time that one of Bogarts, Devers, or Martinez was like hurt for an extended period of time? Bogarts has a wrist right now. He's got a banged up wrist right now. Actually, I was gonna say he. I'm. He, he battled this weekend though. Like he's the toughest out in your lineup by such a wide margin. Yeah. Um. But yeah, they've actually they're two. Like six and seven starters, I guess. If someone were to go down, Hauk and Connor Siebold have both got hurt, so they've been fortunate to keep their starting five going because that's something that high and bloom really banked on in the off season or not banked on, but added to in the off season was depth. If somebody goes down, you got the reinforcements in Worcester, right? That's something that. No, we're talking about their hitting lineup. I think that they do have pitching depth there. I'm saying like, if you're going to count Chavis as depth, if you're going to count, um, you want to 200 hitters is depth or you're going to count. I mean, uh, yeah, you're right. You're right. I mean, I there's just think there's, Gonzalez, there's there. Danny Santana. No, you're right. There's um, better options there for depth. Uh, Dollback is depth. I mean, I, I don't know. I think that you could add. I think they could add a first baseman. No, I think that's the Even main the thing. Have, uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah, I Carlos Santana, I think, would be fantastic. It will be will be funny, and this is Jonathan Scope would be really good too. Two guys I've I've thought about some but, alternate universe in which the Yankees and the Red Sox do a deal. I would happily give you Lafoyd. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. They tried. They, I mean, they played a Royal one game at first, and that didn't go very well. So we'll see what happens there. One game at first, he, he ripped his hamstring stretching. So, all tack literally was on the ground. Yeah, um, but for the starting pitching, I'm gonna give you a. I don't know if this is a hot take. I don't think they need a starter to be honest. I I, dis, I disagree with that. Because think about it. Can I finish my? Can I just give you my thing? Because I know you're gonna go on forever once I like give you the floor. <laughs> Oh, okay, so what kind of capacity Chris Sale is going to come in when he's back? They're going to stretch him out probably two more starts in the minors to 80, 85 pitches. Um, he's going to he's going to be back. He's going to start games for you. So I'm going to count him, okay? You're going to hopefully you can get five or six innings out of Chris Sale. Chris Sale, Evaldi, Erod, Pavetta. You have those four guys, whether or not they how, – how they perform, whatever – there's also the piggyback option, which Cora has talked about, and I think it's going to be a real thing coming up when you have Tanner Houck and Garrett Whitlock in your pen, sort of. I think you're going to see something, and even in the playoffs, say you have Nick Pavetta going, I think you'll see three innings of Pavetta, 
three innings of Hauk or something, two innings of Perez, three innings of Hauk, or, you know, four innings of Richards, two innings of Whitlock, something like that. I think you're going to see a piggyback option like that with those guys that will add to a full start. Don't let Perez get through the second or third time in the order, right? Because that's been a real problem for him. Don't, same thing with Pavetta, right? You have those options. You can have a short leech there. I don't think a real, who like what starter are you going to add that's been significantly better than Nick Pavetta for you, right? Like, I feel like if you're acquiring a starter, it's going to be somebody that's definitely better than what you have. You have, you have those middling starters. That's what you have. And it's gotten the job done for you. But if you're going to add somebody, it's going to need to be someone who is a certified upgrade for you, like definite upgrade. And I don't think that they're going to want to pay a top 10 prospect for that. I just don't think they're going to. They, Ryan Bloom has a long-term vision on the future. He's he's gonna, he's not gonna sacrifice multiple shots at a World Series for one shot at a World Series. He said that. So that I think the piggyback option is gonna be very real. I think they're gonna use Hauk and Whitlock in that role come September and October. And I think it's gonna, I think it has a real potential to work. I don't think Garrett Richard should be anywhere near the mound. From the no, I don't think he's a playoff roster guy, but no. he's going to start games. And I think, I think that's a realistic thing. It's going to happen. I'd rather go with uh Hauk than I would. Uh, yeah. Like I, I would much rather send out him and then like, you know, say, let's say bridge to Whitlock or something like that. than I would. Yeah. Like, I think if you throw Pavetta in there for three innings or say one time through the order, two times through the order, and piggyback in with Whitlock for two innings. That's a six-inning start right there. That's great. It's so, not traditional, but it'll work. Start with the closer. Especially start when you've run with a nine-man bullpen all year, you can do that in the postseason when you can kind of do that. You know, you only need four starters. So the thing with that, though, there's not enough time before the deadline to figure out if like, obviously you want sale to be a starter and people can freak out about whatever he's doing in his double a rehab assignments, all they want at the end of the day, it's a guy who hasn't been an impact, a good impact arm on a major league mound since we were in high school. So bang, I'm not I'm not saying he can't be. Obviously, he's certainly shown a capability of doing that before. I don't think banking on that is smart. I think Evaldi is about as close to a lock as you possibly can get, and he was brilliant on Saturday. I mean, Alex, we were talking the entire time about like he was how he was actually gonna go for a complete game. I yeah, thought it was I thought it was a lock. Um outside of that, like I don't know about Erod. I don't like. I think the I think the shine has worn off of Pavetta a little bit from what he was doing at the start of the. But that's what I'm saying. You don't need to rely on them to give you six innings, one run. You don't need that, Sam. That's not the point. It's not traditional. You don't need that. You you're you're fine with four innings, two runs. That's okay. That's also fair. You look at you know games that he's had against good lineups though and you wonder even if you leave him in for you know two innings three innings four innings whatever would be like you know is it gonna it just you don't uh, know <laughs> here's a very non-technical comment i would trust Nick pavetta in my life for the, the playoff game because he's a psychopath 
Yeah. He's got that like Zach Greinke style of crazy to him. When he was throwing a no hitter in Tampa, he like like five innings no hitter. He gets into the dugout and like throws his glove and just starts screaming. <laughs> so I don't know. I I would I would start him in a playoff game. I would keep him on a short leash. Same thing with everyone, honestly. Whitlock. That's why I think Whitlock, Whitlock and Howard are going to be weapons. Whitlock is dynamite. You're one of the best relievers in the sport this year. Um, so, like, it could be an option, but, like, I just don't see – I, I see right now two, at most, three reliable options. I – like, how – and I'm not saying – like, presently, how – very well could turn into that. He looked awesome the other night, albeit it was against a shit lineup, but still, at the end of the day, he looked great. By the time the deadline rolls around, you're not gonna like you're not gonna have enough time to be like, okay, I'm very confident that you know this is gonna be our guy. So I think they could do it going out and adding three or a four if you need a Valdi to be a one in the but playoff they have a three they have a three or four they have a four or five. Get another one get another one they have that like I, that's, yeah, that's a waste to me you can it's get one of those you can get one of those without having to give up too much but why i don't think it i'm just saying i don't think it hurts you very well could have that i don't think it's a sure thing and i don't think that you know going out and getting one of those guys for a half season rental would be a bad i'm not I, saying i guess wow, so. I'm not saying go out and get Scherzer. I'm just saying I don't think it would hurt them at all to get a guy where it's like, okay, we know what we're going to get out of this guy. So, you know, if he becomes a long bullpen guy or something like that in the playoffs first because our other arms are pitching well, great. If those other guys, you know, burn out, we don't really feel like trusting them too much in the playoff game, well, then we can throw this guy out there and that's taken care of. It's more of just a contingency, like a safety blanket that wouldn't cost you too much. I'm not I, saying, I, that's fair. That's I'm fair. not saying go out and trade for Scherzer. I just think that, you know, a lot of this stuff, there's not enough time before the deadline is over to figure that out. That's fair. That, the one, yeah, I think that's actually probably a realistic thing. That's, that's, that's what I think they should do. But more or less what they have is what they have. Chris, yeah. Sale, Chris Sale is going to start games. They're oh, no, I'm not saying he's not going to start games. I just don't know if he's going to be good. Um, I think he'll be good. I think he will. I don't know if he'll be 2.15 ERA for sale, but I think he'll be pretty good. Let's, he's going to be fresh. He's going to be ready to go. He's going to be motivated. Play, play the wait and see. But if you need Evaldi to be your number one, he is certainly pitched like a number one. But yeah. I definitely think you're going to see that Whitlock two innings following a three or four inning start or Hauk. And I think it's going to be a, I think it's going to be a really good combination, especially if you go with a lefty followed by Hauk, which would be pretty cool. I can, I can see it. I can totally see it. That would be that would definitely be uh, a good way to 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 run your roster. But yeah, I think that if you Dodgers kind of did that a lot with uh, what was it Urias, I think, right? Yeah, yeah, sort of like I that. See, I can see that. Yeah, I think if there's is a first base option that you can add, I I ha- I hesitate. I don't think they're really going to go after one of the big guys. Santana's got a year of control left. I don't think they really want to trade prospects for a guy like that. Um, maybe scope if other teams aren't aren't on him, but uh, someone mentioned CJ Crone. He's a righty, but with kind of he, he'll hit he'll hit the other side as as well too. Um, yeah, I think that's the one like actual hole on the roster is on first base, especially against a a, a righty. But uh, yeah, that's me, Sam. 
it's it's a it's a more and then a reliever too because you can always use another reliever even though their bullpen's well, good. You can in the postseason you can never have them bullpen arms. Yeah, I think dude, I think they're gonna run with like a nine or ten man bullpen. Would not probably surprise. probably would a ten man bullpen. Would not surprise me at least. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Yankees deadline. I probably the toughest position. I I don't know if you can pinpoint another team that's in so i think they're gonna do a little ticky tack move to show that they're trying to win and then it's not really much i think looking can I, at, can I say something real quick before you say something Sam? Uh, what, what would be the problem with the yankees and they just they don't have the they don't have the stomach to just wave the white flag ever what would be the downside of them just selling off some pieces from what they have at some point and just saying, we just don't have it this year. So like you're a fan, dude, you don't care if they make the wild card and they're out in the first round. No, I, first well, no like, obviously I care. I'm going to be very pissed off if they do that. Well, it's just counterproductive to a certain point. No, at well, what point do they what I, realize what they're doing is wrong and they just say, we need to actually change our philosophy. That, that's what I, well, that's what I was just going to say. I was like the team that they have right now, I think a really good comparison is the 2019 Red Sox. Yeah, I don't think that's bad. Like where you have that team that has just a ton of talent, but for whatever reason, it's just not working. And it's not, you know, it's not April 25th where you're like, oh, well, they'll, they'll turn it around. There's a lot. We've seen enough of this season and last season that we know that this Yankees team has been horrifically mediocre for over 162 games now. So in terms They don't have any like free agent pieces. In terms of no, they don't really. In terms of what they could do at the deadline, I want them to sell. I don't but what do you sell? They're in well, that's what I was just that well I was just gonna get into that too. It's Tyon, Judge, and Sanchez who are free agents. They have one, all one-year control. In terms, are you trading in terms them? of the deadline, I honestly don't think they're going to do a whole lot. I think buying would be – You know, I know you were texting earlier. Like, imagine if they decided to buy yeah. and you Saturday is like the feel-good, we're-coming-back win. And I saw that, and I was like, I swear to God, if they do that, I'm going to lose my mind. Because, like, it, it's clear to pretty much everybody that they're not going anywhere. Right? Right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. They're, they're, so, <laughs> if, they, I, if they give anything up to buy, like, I, I don't think they're going to wave the white flag. I don't think they're going to go, you know, full 2016 like they did then and, you know, sell off, I mean, what they sell off, Beltran, Chapman, Miller, and probably one other guy too. I can't remember. Um, what I see with them is maybe a small move here or a small move there. Andrew Kashner. <laughs> That's a good one. Um, That's what the Sox in 2019. I know. I was going to remember. He actually pitched pretty well against that year. Um, I think a lot of what they're going to do is going to come down to the offseason. I think if they miss the playoffs, you have to clean house. Like, Boone has to go. Cashman has to go, too. The if, team you're cleaning, is, if you're cleaning house, then Judge has to go, too. I, well, I mean, I'm not talking Vanches. about – Let me – the pieces are there and they're not in a position because like the thing with bets 
Betts was going to command, you know, the $300 million contract because he, you know, hit free agency at a pretty good time and he was one of the best players. That's not going to happen with Judge because when Judge hits free agency, he's going to be north of 30 and he has an injury history. I think he will still get a significant deal. I don't think it is going to be anything close to that. It'll be, you know, 100, 200, whatever it's going to be. It's not going to be anything like, so I think, Looking at it like that, I don't think Judge is going to go anywhere. I would no. I was mostly kidding, but yeah, I know. But I've been seeing that rumor floating a lot on Twitter, like, "Oh, well, the Yankees actually?" Tri-. No, I don't. And another reason why I don't think it is because Hal Steinbrenner cares about money, and Judge is a money maker for him. And also, the Yankees are never going to go into full rebuild mode. No, no never, never. I, I, I think those never. were, but in the off season, you know, you saw it a little bit this year where you know they did the thing, you know they gave you out of vino for free and you know did this and did that like they cut a little bit of money this off yankees are currently paying adam out of vino i i they're paying him 1.8 million to pitch very well for the red sox wait are the are the sox playing him paying him at all they must be right they are but um so i think you're going to take a look at some of these i think you have to like if you have to get a deal where it's like you you have to look to move Chapman and Britain, I think for sure. And even if the re, even if the return is not great, I think you just have to do it to you know because everything is about the salary cap with the Yankees now. Whether you agree with it or not, it is what it is. If that's how they're going to operate things, they need to get those guys out of there. And then I think another thing you look at too, if you can get anything for that god awful Aaron Hicks contract, you have to. Um, if you can move Voit. You have to. I personally would have moved Voight last offseason because his value was never going to be higher after he led the league in home runs. And, you know, he battled and was a big bat for them. I would move Voight because they have enough of that type of hitter. I would maybe even look into moving Urshela, not because I think Urshela should be moved, because I think he could get a lot of value back. And if you can't move a guy like Voight, well, if you're committed to Glaber Torres and you still have DJ LeMahieu playing second and Glaber can't play shortstop, somebody is going to need to move. And if you can't move DJ to first base, then you got to move him to third because they're not moving. They can't move that contract either. They just signed him. So it's kind of the Yankees. I think they're sort of, they might have to force themselves into some painful decisions with guys that they like Urshela. Um, I don't think you move. Sanchez. The other thing is that I, I think it's a fair assumption or – okay, I don't know. I think there's a decent chance the Yankees try and sign at one of the big shortstops this winter. I can totally see that, and if they do that – They have to – they're going to have to move some money. They're going to have to move some money, and somebody that is in that current infield is probably going to be gone. I think Torres could get you some value and because, you know, he's 24 and he hit – 38 home runs two years ago. Like, you guys, you know, he's still a little raw. He's been hitting it a lot better lately. So I'm not I've kind of backed off of that a little bit because, like, his at-bats are better. He's hit the ball harder, blah, blah, blah. If they want to move him second to fix his glove. But something if they go after a shortstop, something in that infield is going to be moved. But basically what I think they're going to look to do, not so much at the deadline, I think it's going to be a very busy offseason for them in terms of, you know, cleaning money to, you know, maybe sort of, like, if you want to go after a big guy, you can go after a big guy, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if they do a lot of like what the Red Sox do this year, where like they don't necessarily go after like the guy, but they just go after a ton of, you know, 
you just get a ton any of move you make is obviously yeah. with literally like future. just literally any move go like if you need a pitcher go out and sign four guys that are cheap and you know if three of them bottom out and if one of them works out then that's great and the other three don't matter and then you know it is what it is like you just go out and get players that don't have as big of a price tag so that you can have flexibility to you know shake things up because the way it is right now it's too one-dimensional although i don't think a lot of like i said i don't think a lot of this happens at the, Dude, the way the way bloom has just restocked it's remarkable is remarkable. he's used every single outlet just basically trading anything he has to get anything back Dude, like you go five like, draft trading cj chatham a 40-man outcast for an actual prospect from the Phillies. He did it with the Rays, too. He got an actual prospect from the Rays for Jeffrey Springs and Chris Mazza. He's used the Rule 5 draft, both major and minor league, for multiple ways. There's there's my boy, Shane. <laughs> multiple ways. Whitlock, Caleb Ort, uh, Raynell Espinal, Jonathan Arauz last year. These guys who, you know, they're not much, but they acquire them for nothing. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm. That's what I think the Yankees need to do because they're you know, cheap guys. That you know, the cost of getting them is next to nothing, and it, it's kind of it's a win-win because it's like if they don't pan out, then it's like all right, well, we gave up nothing, and if they pan out, then we look like bandits. It's what made Cashman good a few years ago. He went out and got those you know Hicks before he turned into an injury liability with a really good player for them. Boyd in 2018, one of their best hitters. You know, like stuff like that. Um, but like to your point about Heim, like you look at the moves he made, like, you know, going out and getting Renfro and Kike, those are two of your biggest players this year. And they were, you know, pretty low profile, like not, well, maybe low profile is not the word, but like, you know, it wasn't the, um, it big wasn't the, man. it wasn't the yeah. big, no, it wasn't the big, They're, they were platoon players. Before. Yeah, I know. That's the thing. It wasn't the big move, but you know, you go out and get Cashman and the Yankees should try and go out and just get baseball players like that. You know, just yeah. stuff like like low key, low key, and just more well rounded. You just want the Yankees just want to be the Red Sox so badly. Right now, they should. They should. They should. There's That's nothing else you can say about that. They totally should want to be. Just there. running, or stomping on the Yankees just never ever gets old. The Yankees could be zero and one hundred and come to Fenway, and it would still be so glorious to sweep them. I I don't <laughs> understand that personally it's it's just the best oh because you don't care actually a, a it's, like, 30, it's like last last year 2014 or well, I mean, 2014 well like last year the red sox were terrible like i didn't care about it. a thirty thousand person yankee sock chat is chant is just the best every single time it never gets old <laughs> there were a lot of yankees fans this weekend i was actually kind of yeah, there, there always is I mean, there always is i was i've Alex, was it you that I was having the discussion with, or was it um, Ethan? But we were talking about um, what percentage of people that were there you think were, you know, Yankees fans that were transplants um, versus people that made the trip up. Uh, it must I'd be say pretty high. What for which? I'd say it's pretty high that they're transplants. That's kind of what I'm thinking too. But I think there was a de- there, you know, because it's it's Fenway. I think there's a decent amount of people that will always make that trip. Yeah, but there's obviously a lot of New York people that live in Boston. Oh yeah, no, I know. I'm saying I agree with you, but I think that there, I think there's more of a trip contingent than you give it credit for. But I 100 percent agree. I think that most of the people are trying. I want to go in August. I'm basically a train. 17th and 18th in August. I really want to go. In, in New York. Red Sox again? 
Yeah, yeah, in no, in New York, yeah. Well, one of those is a double header. You should try and get tickets to both. I know, I know, I want to. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Should we transition to hockey quickly. I'm, hockey. I could sit there and just. Okay, I'll start. How about this? Because this is the main thing we're going to talk about here. That Barclay Good Joe contract is the worst thing I've seen in my life. I'll just oh, stop it. There's that. Okay, every single trade in the NHL is one way or another is tied to a terrible contract. Either a terrible contract is as a part of every single trade is just a awful, awful contract. Every single one, babe. Look at every single trade. The Rasmus Ristolainen trade, I'm not kidding, was the worst, maybe the worst I've ever seen. You think worse than Seth Jones? That was really, really bad too. That Man, was really bad. Wait, so you're just saying that you're just saying that a bad contract is what leads to a lopsided trade. Well, do we no, want to, every, look at every single trade made this week. <laughs> every so do we want to just go? Do we want to just go one by one with like all of the significant moves that were made like the past week or so or sure, whatever? Sure, we can rip. We can do a rapid fire. Okay, I, I. The Goodrow contract's a little bit of an overpay. Oh, it's so bad. It's but so bad. When you have a team that needs to inject, you know, lineup diversity, not too dissimilar <laughs> from the Yankees. I'm serious. Not too dissimilar from the Yankees. The Rangers were all a, you know, run-and-gun skill team last year, and they got they, they got legit. I don't disagree with you. They, they physically, like, we literally saw them actually get assaulted by the Capitals in the end of the season. I don't disagree with you that. I would look at that contract kind of the same way I looked at the David Backus deal when he signed it, where I'm like, okay, I'm kind of excited to have the player. He'll probably do well here, but Jesus, that is going to hurt really badly. But you got out of it. That's not the goal. No, Sam. I know. I if know. You're looking at the contract saying, wow, this will, <laughs> looking at when you're going to trade it, that's, it's bad. No, I know. I'm just, at- I'm, I agree with you. I'm just saying, like, you know, things can, change pretty quickly and if they you know need to move it they can find a way to that's not what you want no i know of course i'm just saying like i don't think it's a that it, i think you're making out to be a death sentence. i don't think it's even close to that i, I mean i don't i think it, it there's there's a deeper there's a deeper meaning here that the rangers front office thinks that barkley goodrow's worth 3.6 million dollars over six years but yeah it is a death sentence they they were a one-dimensional team. They had some cap space. The thing is, you can find players like that. There's more than one Barkley Goodrow available for three point six million. He's not also not going to be stapled to two fantastic players with Yanni Gordon. And I also Coleman. don't. I don't disagree with that either. But you know, when you have cap space and you know, there's free. You just you just, not, just when it, you have money, just, just wait. Yeah. <laughs> what? Thing if you have if you have like. I'm not saying waste it, but like if you can take on a little bit of a bigger risk or a hit there, like you know, and you need it's a move that like you know a type of move that you need to do, you got to do it. But the Dude, Rangers if, Cup if, window if, isn't 2022. If everyone had if that viewpoint, said, they I would said, run themselves and their team into the ground. How Johnny? How long have I told you that like their actual window is going to start to open up next year? Okay, but the, the, where's the long term plan here? Like, dude, I completely think Barkley Goodrow is going to be a good player for the Rangers next year, but the goal should be to find the next Barkley good job, not overpay the current one. That's, that's, that's fair. That's <laughs> like, if you ha- like that's going to hurt when you're actually trying to add something to put your contending team over the top, when you're paying your fourth line left winger, 3.6 million. 
He's not. I don't think he's been playing fourth line. He also might play center. They might have him center. Regardless, three. regardless, I promise you, he is not going to be worth even three million. Not stable. Okay, well, let me ask you this: What if you? What if you really play your players? And I, I know you're. I know you're going to laugh at this because of you know the discussion we had a year and a half ago. What if you put him on the line with you know you move Kreider down to three and you put him on the line with Kreider? That's just not a good line. That that Kreider needs someone fast to set him up. Kreider needs an that's offensive the player there. That's the person with his line. All right, what? so then play him with like Kratzov or something. I mean, that would work a little bit better for me. <laughs> but still, I don't. Barkley Goudreau's not an offensive force. Like, why are you putting one of your better offensive players with him? That, that wouldn't make any sense. You got an offensive player and a defensive player. It's the same thing, same reason you played Jesper Passes like Tammy Panarin. Okay, but then you're not maximizing your – I mean, I understand what you're saying. You need both, but Panarin then you're not – Okay, that, I, that's not – like, that wasn't my point, even close to my point. <laughs> okay, um, yeah, I think that's so – I think it's a very poor – uh, management by the Rangers, just just very poor. But or I don't like know why you're with the Rangers. like. I think you could call somebody up from the minor leagues to do not that far from what Barkley Goodrow are going to do for three million dollars less. But yeah, they tried that a little bit with Morgan Barron. I'm not sure if it was working great because I don't think Goodrow is going to be even close to the player he was in Tampa Bay when he's not when he doesn't have Blake Coleman and Yanni Gord to carry him like that. He was great in his role, so good in his role. He's not going to be in that role in, in the Rangers. He's going to be paying paid three point six million dollars, relied upon to drive a third line. I mean, I don't know. I think there's the other thing you got to keep in mind here too is there is a reason why Tampa gave up a first round pick. Though. What? What kind of logic is that? Yes, there's a reason for it. Obviously, there's a reason they got him because. If he's not worth three point six million, then you know. No, you know why they did? Because he was a good, cheap, bottom six player. He was cheap and young. Now he's three years older and three million dollars more expensive. Two and a half. Sorry. <laughs> That's why. They, yeah, you're right. There was a reason. It's not. They don't have that reason anymore. I think he's worth a little more than what you're. Ultimately, we don't know. We'll find out. I have a pretty good idea. Okay, so let's start with a trade that didn't make any sense for Carolina. They traded their starting goaltender, Alex Nedeljkovich, to the Detroit Red Wings in exchange for Jonathan Bernier, who's a free agent, and a third-round pick. Yeah, that that's one of... And they said they didn't want to pay him. They said they didn't want to pay him, well, and I, he signed for $3 million. Yeah. Well, and did, now they just don't have a goalie. Did you see what um, – I forget who it was. Somebody with Detroit, like they asked him about it. It was like, I don't know, you got to ask Carolina what they thought of him yeah. or something like that. With no, the he said you're going to have to ask them yeah. why they were comfortable doing that. Yeah, like just the most obvious, like just what the fuck are you doing, Carolina, like the, without explicitly saying it. Yeah, it didn't make any sense. Right. They they literally don't have a goaltender now. They had a good young goal. He's <laughs> average. Honestly, I think he could be an option for the Bruins. As a backup? Um, Wait, who is this? Jonathan Bernier. Mm. Walking meme with the Leafs, but... <laughs> so I, That's right, Yarrow's gone. Jadul. Yuka might yeah. be gone too, though. No, yeah, here's the... Uh, 
the current goaltending situation for the Carolina Hurricanes. Jonathan Bernier, UFA. James Reimer, UFA. Peter Mrazek, UFA. Wait, Bernier and Reimer are on the same team again? Yeah. That's I mean, they're Not really, but <laughs> they don't have a single National Hockey League goalie in a contract. So I, that doesn't make any sense to me. Okay, next one. Actually, we'll tie – We'll tie the Flyers ones in together here. How about that? Okay. Arizona Coyotes acquire Shane Goss's spare, a second-round pick and a seventh-round pick um, from the Flyers for nothing. Um, Flyers acquire Rasmus Ristolainen for Robert Haig, a first-round pick in 2021, which was 13th overall and a 2023 uh, second-rounder. They also acquired Ryan Ellis last week, 2023 second-rounder. Here's the thing. I I guess my number was wrong then. So yeah, they uh, they dumped off Goss to spare with draft picks. They had to trade draft picks to get rid of him, and then they also traded more draft picks to acquire a worse player, a significantly worse player. Well, the coyote. Well, I thought the coyote got Goss to spare and picks. They got yes, they got Goss to spare a second and a seventh. I think that's an awesome trade for Arizona. Yeah, for Arizona, it's yeah. I mean, like the thing is, Goss to spare. I mean, I don't think he's the defenseman who was rookie year when everybody was hyping him up and he was part of that you know, Flyers team that was kind of going on a run, but he's a good offensive defenseman that can be a very good player for you when used in the right way. Do I think he's worth that price tag? Not necessarily, but I mean, they got a good hockey player and two draft picks, one of them being a pretty high draft. I He's think. also a lot better than Rasmus Ristolainen. <laughs> yeah, that that too. That was the, the fact that Buffalo was able to get that for Ristolainen was unbelievable. Shocking. He's he's like like since he came into the league, he's been one of the worst players in the league every <laughs> single year. And I mean, Robert Haig is ob- ob- arguably better than him, and Robert Haig is pretty terrible in, in himself, but. Um, Buffalo is basically just taking Ristolainen's and spot, um, which was a bad defenseman on the first pair. They'll probably play the bad defenseman on the third pair where Ristolainen should have played all along and they get two good draft picks out of it. So, I mean, good for Buffalo. They, they, yeah. they, des- they deserve mm-hmm. that one. Okay. St. Louis Blues acquire forward Pavel Buchnevich from the New York Rangers in exchange for Sammy Blay and a second round pick next year. It's your boy, Sam. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to do this trade, you might as well just, just keep the player if you're not going to get I don't. <laughs> I don't have an issue with them moving Buchnevich. Like, it was kind of – you remember when we were talking like four years ago and I was speculating that Stepan was going to get moved for a while? Mm-hmm. As a I mean, player. yeah, you just look at his contracts was, up next year. It I think sense. it was a very similar situation to that. I don't necessarily have a problem with them moving Buchnevich. I don't even necessarily have a problem with them going after Blay as one of the players that they wanted. But how can you justify to me that Ristolainen gets traded for that and all you get for Pavel Buchnevich, who put 48 up in 54, best season as a pro by far, very well-rounded player, how do you just get Sammy Blaine second? It's just not maximizing a player's value. Like, if that's the best offer you have, then just wait till till the trade deadline when teams will be lining up to acquire a goal-scoring winger. Just gonna say you could have flipped them at the deadline for a prospect in first, and that would have been worth it. Yeah, I, that one that one made no sense to me. Not the moving Butchnevich, but how in the world do you not get a better return for that? Uh, yeah, I did. Honestly, I would be worried about 
how the Chris Jerry era has started. <laughs> I, I'm I'm slightly concerned. I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm slightly concerned. I mean, uh, to be fair, and we saw this with Don Sweeney too, that I don't think new GMs have as much power as the old GM might have. I think there's a somebody talking in their ear the whole time. Uh, I don't know who that may be. Whether it's John David, no, wait, John Davidson's got fired too. Um, who? Glenn Sather. Yeah, whether it's Glenn Sather in his ear, the assistants or whoever. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Chris Jury does not have a full reign on that team. But, yeah, that was, a, that was not my favorite trade either for the Rangers. Okay, how about this just disaster of a trade? Just garbage on garbage on garbage. Vancouver Canucks acquire Oliver Ekman-Larsen and Connor Garland from the Coyotes for Louis Erickson, garbage. Jay Beagle, garbage. Antoine Roussel, garbage. The first overall pick, or the first round pick, number nine overall, a second round pick in 2022, and a seventh round pick in 2023. How long are the contracts of the players in the Arizona guys? Uh, one year. And Oliver Ekman Larson is eight, is actually it's slightly retained. I think that's an awesome. Well, I mean, not. Actually, hold on. Yeah. Roussel, one year. Beagle, one year. Erickson one year. Yeah. All one Not year. Awesome for Arizona because Garland has Garland's a very solid player that a lot of hockey teams could use. But I mean, if those guys are all, you know, just one year deals and um, you get three prospects out of it and you get rid of most of that OEL contract because he hasn't been very good for a while. I like, I think that's the Vancouver Canucks will be paying Oliver Ekman Larson seven million two hundred and sixty thousand dollars through the end of 2027 yeah it's a horrible deal congrats on connor guard like what are you doing <laughs> i i don't know okay you garland get a is, decent garland player play. garland's a good player you get a decent player you're also giving up the number nine overall pick that's yeah. so bad i didn't realize how bad this was until now and and a future and a future second and a seventh because GMs seventh is a seventh is a, is a GMs show. absolutely love to blackmail each other for seventh round picks. It's hilarious, dude. Look at any trade. There's just a random seventh pump thrown in there because you know some guy was like, "All right, we're not doing this unless you give him, give us another seventh. And was I, the, <laughs> was the Nick Holden deal with the Rangers and the Bruins? What was that? Was, was that Holden for O'Gara in a seventh? Um, the uh, the Rick Dash one had a seventh in it. Did it? Yeah, it was. Was might, it the first Spooner, Bolesky, and a seventh? That might be a long thing. But that trade might still be the gift that keeps on giving. By the yeah, way, yeah, I mean that worked out. But this trade for Vancouver, dude, Vancouver is a shame. It's they're honestly a shame because you got Besser, Peterson, and Quinn Hughes, and Thatcher Demko, and that's such a good core to have. And they are just gonna waste it all. Like, look at JT Miller. That's a good player but they wasted assets to acquire him when they weren't going to win. I think Jim Benning is – Jim Benning would be – I've, I've heard this somewhere that he would be a good assistant GM. <laughs> Put it that way. But he's the GM, and I think he's very dumb. I like JT Miller, though. He's a great – he's a fantastic player, but a team in a rebuild should not be sending first-round picks to acquire him. Would have been would have been nice if he could have played that consistently on Broadway. Yeah, I mean, I, the Canucks are – they're going to waste some very good players' primes, and that's just too bad. Don't I don't disagree, my friend. All right, Chicago Blackhawks acquire Seth Jones and number 32, 
uh, and a sixth round pick in exchange for Adam Boquist, a first round pick, which was what number was that? I don't remember. Uh, high, I know that. It was pretty high. And a second round pick uh, in this draft that just happened. Um, Seth Jones is just. And, and, and the extension. Yes. And a. Over eight years. 9.5. Seth Jones, 9.5. Ryan Lawton tweeted 8.25 by eight. It is. I'm on cap friendly right now. Nine point five million. Okay. The whatever end the hell it actually of twenty thirty. Whatever it actually is, it sucks. It sucks. This is like you see what I mean. Going through all these trades, every single one is tied to a bad contract, except Bruce Travis. <laughs> Dude, Seth Jones. He's not. I mean, he is very, very talented. Very talented. Very skilled. His on ice results have been awful the last couple of years. I mean, he's been playing with Wierenski the entire time, hasn't he? Yes. I don't know. A good, well, a good amount because Wierenski, I think, is a very good player. I mean, he is. But, um, yeah, Seth Jones is just – his results this past season were terrible. Terrible. Like, very bad. Bottom, below average. Not a good player. Can you turn it around? Yes, he's very skilled. I think it's possible that he can. But why are you committing that sort of money to somebody who hasn't been good in a while? I – I, I think it's a simple side. <laughs> I completely agree. So it's like, and they had just done such a good job moving Duncan Keith. Is Adam Boquist better than Seth Jones? Uh, <laughs> no, he's not right now. I would say no, but I would say in maybe two years, he might be. Yeah, that would look really bad in two years if, uh, if that's the case. But. I don't think this is that. Someone compared this to the Phil Kessel trade. In 2008, Castle still had a ton. Jones like was still a good player at that point. Too. I think Jones has been. Jones hasn't been good. Good. I mean, I know I'm gonna. Yes, speak my, up. I'm gonna dip my feet into you uh, into your playbook a little bit with the advanced numbers. Uh, his advanced numbers have not been good for a while. It's not even advanced numbers. It's just looking at the the regular numbers that just say he's been on the ice for a lot of goals against. <laughs> like these aren't advanced. So the, so the plus minus, the old plus sure, minus. sure. If you want to look at plus minus or just goals and shots against, yeah, like it's it all matches up. Okay, Columbus acquires Jake Bean from Carolina for second rounder. I think this as a potential payoff. You know who's picked one pick after Jake Bean? As I was, I've one. never heard the name Jake Bean in my life. So Jake Bean was picked fifteenth over. Jake Bean was picked fifteenth overall in twenty sixteen. Charlie McAvoy was picked 16th overall. That's a tough look. <laughs> He's actually – he got buried in, in Carolina behind their kind of – their glut of defensemen there. Yeah, they have uh, – it's, it's kind of been acknowledged that he's an yeah. NHL defenseman who hasn't been able to just get the time. So I think that's straight could pay off for Columbus. They give up a second rounder. Um, is that second rounder ever going to end up as good as Jake Bean? That's a game will you take, right? He's like young, good puck mover. I would honestly take that bet for Columbus to replace Seth Jones too. I think that's a great deal. I if your analysis is true, I think you broke it down wonderfully. I just straight up don't know who Jake Bean is, but I'll take your word for it. Los Angeles Kings acquire Braden Burke, Tyler Steenbergen from Arizona Coyotes exchange for Cole Holtz and forward Bokanji Imama. Sam, thoughts? Imama. When did this trade <laughs> happen? If any of these trades happened after 
645 okay. on Friday night. I don't know anything. I was joking. I was joking. That's a bunch of random dudes. I know Tyler Steenbergen because he scored the uh, game winner in the World Juniors. I was going to say that did not sound like a very legitimate. A couple of years ago. He did. He scored the game winning goal in the World Juniors for Canada two or three years ago. Um, the one, whatever one was in Buffalo, that was super lame. Um, what do you mean? The one where they did the outdoor shootout and everything? That that series ruled, dude. Yes, that was cool. But the I thought that World Juniors was very lame in Buffalo. They just know. they just kind of worn out the Buffalo Toronto area. The crowd yeah. didn't really seem into it. Like, okay. Philadelphia acquire Flyers acquire Cam Atkinson from Columbus in exchange for it. Jacob Voracek. A little uh, blast from the back past her a little bit. Yeah, both players. I th- I don't know if Atkinson needed a change of scenery, but they were saying that Voracek needed a change. He's still, still a good player. He gets paid a lot. Um, still a good player. Atkinson has four years left at $5.8 million. He's 32, so not the best, but um, still a pretty decent player there. It's a man. It's a man straight. Honestly, it's like a one for one of two. Um, you know, no, I'm not gonna say huge hockey names, but like you know, if you follow the game decently closely, like you know, names that you've definitely heard mentioned a good amount before. Like you know, it's four check three years left, man, eight point two five. Yeah, I mean, Columbus is kind of taking on more money to get the better player, right? Um, whereas Philly's shedding a little bit of money to get a little bit worse, I guess. I, Philly's trying to change himself up. I think Voracek is part of it. Rasmus are still lining in the Yeah, league. you got to save that money for Rasmus, baby. Gotta... <laughs> remember, remember how everybody was talking about Voracek like when we were in middle school, like 2014, 2015, like right around that time period? No. I, I Maybe it's because I watch – maybe it's because I watch more of the Metro Division. He's a very good player. Like Giroux and Voracek, like – I was in middle school was like such a talking point for them. Yeah. Okay. Minnesota wild, wild acquired the one hundred twenty seventh overall pick from Montreal Canadiens in exchange for the one hundred fiftieth overall pick and the two hundred fourteenth overall pick. Seriously. <laughs> All right, that was the last one. Hmm. Um, the, yeah. the last that was the last trade. I thought there were more. No, it's always had. What about Hyman? That's that's uh that was not a trade. He's going Toronto like was like demanding a second round pick for him. Uh, so Oilers could acquire him and sign him for the eighth year, which uh, to me is just bad asset management by the Leafs. Just take your fifth rounder, honestly, and move on with your life. But to me, he's gonna, it sounds like he's going to sign with the Oilers on uh, Friday or Wednesday. I like him a lot. Yeah, I mean. Yes, but also <laughs> that's the that's the thing about the NHL. You got every team should want guys like Zach Hyman and Barkley Goodrow on your team, but in order to have them, you, you have to, to overpay pay them to the point yeah. where you're gonna hate them. <laughs> yeah. That's why you have to know when to move on. Yeah. Well, well and that's why you draft and develop. My, guys uh, like Barkley Goodrow. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not out on Barkley just yet. Uh, one more thing I do want to bring up, and it's probably the biggest uh, talking point of the entire draft, or actually lack thereof. Um, there's a figure in the National Hockey League who had something in common with all three of us this weekend. Um, we were all at Fenway Park over the course of the weekend, and so was 
Jack Eichel on Friday. You know who didn't get moved from Buffalo, however, before the draft with draft picks and everything was Jack Eichel. What do we think of that? I think I'm very surprised. I don't think they're in a rush. Um, I think they're kind of going to wait out Buffalo. Yeah. I don't like, dude, the GM was like, I don't even know if he's skating or not. He's like, I don't know where he is. I, I think teams building on the vineyard. He's building a house on the vineyard. <laughs> I think teams are like you saw see the Rangers offer like they weren't willing to trade Braden Schneider or Nils Lundqvist. Good prospects, not guys you deem as untouchable for Jack Eichel. Um, yep, I agree. I think teams are going to wait him out. I also do think teams are weary of his health history. Do you see the, the neck? I think. I'm not sure if it was just the Rangers or if it was everybody. The Rangers couldn't get access to his medical records. If you're trading what you're going to trade and pay him what you're going to pay for him. You want every bit of info. I think you need to be confident. I think teams are very weary of that and are also taking advantage of that by trying to lowball Buffalo and a rookie GM who got nothing for Taylor Hall. Well, that's the other thing, too, is the other – like Buffalo has – zero leverage in this situation. Because they can, I'm no, that's not true. They can keep him. What they could, what are the odds that that turns a very toxic situation better? Because if the situation yeah. gets worse and worse and worse, like we think it is, especially because they also just shipped Sam Reinhardt to Florida, so they're doing a that's little... That's true. Where did that trade? Why, why isn't that trade? I was kind of wondering myself. All right, Sam Reinhardt for Devin Levi in the 2020 little, little, second. Little, uh, deviation here. Yeah. Um, Devin no, Levi was uh, Canada's goal in the World Juniors. Um, I think another, Florida obviously doesn't need him. I think another good move for Buffalo. I think, you know, it's you're a bad team. You need to flip yeah. guys. You need to flip guys for future value. I think, I mean, if, I mean, shit, if you can, they could have stopped at the Rizal Line and deal, and like that would have been enough of a haul for an entire offseason. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but you know, I think I think it's gonna be fun. Yeah, so. no, Panthers are probably gonna be good next year, and I don't really like that. So, um, I don't like trading first round picks a year in advance because that's a dangerous game. Well, who, who is it when Colorado almost won the lottery after being like dirty because of, what was it the Duchesne trade? Yeah, yeah, uh, and San Jose this year. San yeah. Jose didn't have their first round pick because of Carlson. True. And Phil Kessel obviously is the main main yep. uh. 100%. mean example there. 100%. But, like, back to Eichel, like, the the odds are that, you know, the direction that Buffalo is going in right now, like, I mean, in what alternate universe do you see that relationship, like, improving? Like, I, I just don't – not. Yeah, that, that's – I know. That's the thing. I just don't see any way. And if it doesn't and it keeps deteriorating – that's going to take more and more leverage away from Buffalo and put more and more leverage into the other team. So like, sure. Theoretically you can say, um, you know, like, Oh, well, Buffalo could just keep them all. It's like, yeah, but what probably ended up happening with that is they're going to lose, you know, then they're going to have to flip them for, you know, the packages that all of my Rangers fans on Twitter keep throwing out where it's like, Oh, we'll give you like, you know, crap job in a first and Zach is Bjork in a second. Yeah. So, What's up, Billy? I said he's the goat, Anders Bjork. Yeah, he's gonna have a good season in Buffalo this year. How um, did he do after the trade? 
He did pretty well because he got an opportunity to play. That's all I ever needed. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> all right, we need to do random players quick because I'm at 6%. Oh, I didn't think. I thought we were doing an Olympic event. Okay, fine. We'll do that. All right, what are we looking forward to watching in the Olympics? Um, well, honestly, you know what I was going to tell you? I was going to tell you golf, but all of these good golfers are getting sent home because they're testing positive. So it's You're like. You're a joke, dude. You are a joke. I like watching golf. You said what Olympic event and you choose golf that you can yeah, watch. Yeah, that's I'm not an Olympic well, event. Let me, let me tell you, let me tell you this much. I'm, I'm not a very, I'm not a very big summer. I'm not a very summer Olympics guy. I'm a huge winter Olympics guy. I just am not into the summer ones nearly as much. Though. Yeah. It's also hard. Cause you're out doing a lot of stuff. You know what I mean? Like it's just right. And like the, I mean, 2012, I remember a little bit. Water polo was always very fun. I, that's that was mine i don't yeah i don't you know none of the players but it is electrifying to watch i love it fire it is that one i always used to think they were standing on the bottom of the pool now i know that they're not actually standing on the bottom and they're actually treading water which makes it just incredibly yeah. that much harder i love water polo johnny what you got black screen it's dead He's legit. He yeah. is black screen. He's actually, Pat. Uh, I, I would put a uh, a close runner up. Maybe not a close runner up. I think the swimming is really fun. Either way you slice it, I think the swimming's cool because it's just hype, and you can just see like everyone's within a hand's distance of one another, pretty much. Generally speaking. All right, I'm back. Um, um, I don't want charger. And then I no, water polo has got to be one of the most physically demanding sports out there. Oh, dude, you're busting your ass the entire time and you're like you're getting hounded in that pool too yeah like you're getting bodied like punched in the face i know know. (laughs) just like like, drowned for a couple seconds wear like those helmets or whatever i mean i I don't think helmet's the right word but like whatever that head protection they have for your ears yeah you're getting waterboarded like 95 percent. yeah literally i know um yeah no i love i love just like I don't know. Nothing's going on too in the Olympics. We got some USA versus Argentina women's volleyball on the screen right now. You're never gonna watch that outside of four years from now. You're not gonna watch that again for four years, and that's what's cool. Like you get baseball, to watch this baseball's stuff. back in the Olympics, though, now, isn't it? Yeah, it's the same thing as what hockey was a couple yeah, years ago. And you say golf? I, I I'm not a big. <laughs> I, I didn't. Okay, I didn't put a lot of thought behind that. I'm just not a huge summer Olympics guy. I get so into the Winter Olympics. I'm no, not- I agree. Winter's more fun, but Wait, I still Olympics think it's fun. Here? Hockey, bobsled, yeah. skiing, snowboarding, all of that stuff. Like, even Olympic curling is kind of fun to watch. We are in oh, I love it. What's up? Yeah, Olympics are in six months again. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, because everything got – Five months, yeah. But no, I love I I love just tuning tuning in. It was like table tennis on today. I'm like, at what point do you become professional at this, and not just like good? Uh, <laughs> at what point do you really commit to it? <laughs> like, imagine imagine having to like you know, what do you do for a living? Oh, I'm an investment banker. I'm a firefighter. I'm a salesman. I play ping pong for a living. No, I bet those guys have other jobs. Honestly, <laughs> no, yeah. I know, but I mean, I mean <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. no. It's, um, I just, I've never been able to, I've never been able to wrap my head around how that's an Olympic sport. No, not, I not love to, not to knock anybody because the guys that play it at, you know, that high of a level, they're incredible at it. It's just, you know, you think of, you think of the table that your buddy has in his basement where you guys, you know, you play for two hours on a Saturday night and you have a game on in the background or something like that. And you never think that it's an Olympic. Event. You know what I want to watch this year? What? It's brand new surfing. What? 
Surfing's an Olympic sport now. It got added. It did. Oh, my roommate is gonna be tuning into that. I looked at the way it wasn't like huge waves. It was just kind of like kind of like Cisco waves that just roll in, but they they do the whole like curve up on it and down. And it's like so it's is it cool. like uh, is it like a wave pool? Like are the waves generated or is no? It like, it's oh, oh that, I mean it is in the ocean, but it's obviously in like a perfect spot, and they need perfect. Yeah, conditions. I, well, I was I was wondering because you know conditions can, with that can change a ton. So is it like you know the where you're doing in the wave pool, or I did I wasn't sure. Yeah, um, no, I believe I believe it is natural, but they need the right conditions. Yeah, makes sense. Um, then I, kind of cool too. No, I just think the whole thing's cool because you watch things you watch every four years, and that's it. But you tune in, and you're like, oh, it's kind of cool. Like, I think the swimming is cool to watch. There was a really close race earlier. The Canadian woman won. Yes, I saw that. I saw that. Yeah, How the bronze. The bronze was like a one one hundredth of a second difference or something. How much? I think I think it's like, because they're all within a very very close distance of one another. Yeah, Sam, what was your thing? I was just like, how much of the swimming thing do you think is just because we're, you know, Americans and we've grown up watching Michael Phelps every day? Uh, that's part of it. But I think it's cool to just see the competition and how close yeah. it is. Yeah, no, I, I, agree. I think that's cool. Um, do you have a list diving of the is sports? Kind of, diving is kind of fun too. Yes, I agree. There, I was watching uh, weightlifting earlier. Yeah. Ooh. That's yeah. Uh, that was cool. I'm just like, they're not doing very much, but I like it. <laughs> they're just lifting these big weights. Um, let me see what else there is. I want to. I want to find this. Winner, winner Olympics series, so like that. Um, baseball. Yeah. What is three three v three basketball? It's just like half court basketball. That's kind of cool. I think. Yeah, except for the fact that the United States is legit mailing it in. Yeah, they are packing. They are trying on. Like they should never lose an international basketball game ever. Uh, really excited to watch canoeing this year. <laughs> they have. <laughs> Uh, I got on those. I saw a funny tweet. It was something you know. You know Robert Stock. He played for the Red Sox a bit last year. I've probably seen him show up in my Twitter feed. Yeah. Oh, he's really funny. He's he's kind of this, just this like MLB bum, but he's funny. Um, he, he tweeted award one million dollars for winning gold in Olympic events, and I'll actually start believing the athlete pool for events like canoe slalom includes more than the ten people in the world that have access to the canoe slalom practice facilities. <laughs> I think that's funny. That's a good tweet. Um, let's see. So aquatics, you got all that, all that swimming, diving, synchronized swimming, water. Okay, here's a question for you. In, <laughs> in synchronized swimming, if one synchronized swimmer drowns, does that mean the rest of them have to drown too? <laughs> or do they just continue that's, the bit? That's dark. It's a it's a fair point though. It's a fair question. You're do you right. commit to the bit and take home the gold or? You are a sick human being, you know that? <laughs> bad boy. Uh, archery, badminton. Yeah, badminton. That would be cool. I, I would tune into that. Oh, no, that's a winner. Man. I was going to say the thing where they do the cross-country skiing with the guns on their back and, like, they pull Oh, up. that's out. What's that called? Biathlon. Biathlon. Biathlon, yeah. Yes. That's that's a very good one. That's, that's a winner. Um, baseball and softball, basketball, boxing. I get to watch Masahiro Tanaka pitch again. Oh really? That's cool. Yeah, I'm very excited about that. Uh, cycling. Wait, what happened to that guy? The Yankees let him walk. What happened to? <laughs> I. One of my favorite Yankees. He's such a gamer. Cycling. My dad loves that. You got track, road, mountain bike, BMX, equestrian. Hilly. That's your sport. You're gonna be watching some equestrian. What is equestrian? Horses, dude. Horses. Right. You're gonna be betting on them. <laughs> oh, why did I say what is equestrian? 
<laughs> uh, fencing, soccer, golf. I'd probably watch soccer if there were fans, honestly. But I feel like kind of gymnastics. Gymnastics is cool. I was watching that a little bit earlier. Yeah, gymnastics. We always do. The United States always does pretty well. With the thing is, in the winter, the prime time is always the figure skating, which I have no interest in. But now, prime time is gymnastics, and I like that's kind of cool. I'll watch that once every four I years. Can't <laughs> think of a bad winter Olympic event off the top of my head. I know I keep bringing it up. I just I think I don't like figure skating. I think it's lame. Oh, I like figure skating. <laughs> Watching those people like so smooth. Uh, handball. I would tune into some handball. So I think that's the only national team the U.S. doesn't have in Olympic sport. Handball. Yeah, I was gonna say it's because one of my buddies is Ice Atlantic, and I've heard him mention handball a couple of times. I'm like, what in the world are you talking about, dude? <laughs> yeah. Um, field hockey, which is just listed as hockey here. Judo. I'm not familiar with judo. Not either. No. Karate, karate. Yeah, I knew that's making its debut. Modern pentathlon. Modern what? Modern pentathlon. Pentathlon. Let's see what this is. That is a Modern pentathlon is an Olympic sport that comprises of five different events: fencing, freestyle swimming, equestrian show jumping, and a final combat con event combined of pistol shooting and cross country running. Wow, you really touching all your bases there. <laughs> it's a rowing, biathlon just in the summer. Rowing, rug. Do you know what bi and penta mean, Sam? Bi is two, penta is five. I meant like the same thing, like with the. <laughs> That's more what I'm going for. <laughs> rowing, rugby sevens, sailing, shooting, skateboarding. I'm pretty sure that's new. Uh, sport climbing, which I'm pretty sure is rock climbing. I would tune into that. Yeah, that'd be cool. Surfing, I'd definitely tune into that. I'll watch surfing. Table tennis, taekwondo, regular tennis, track and field. That'll probably that'll be cool to watch. I'll watch some track and field. I imagine that's like prime time the second week. Usain Bolt. Triathlon, volleyball, indoor and beach volleyball. I'll be tuning into beach volleyball, no doubt about it. Remember, uh, remember Misty May Trainer. In, uh, I think it was 2012. She's like the goat. I remember like being like, oh, Misty May Trainer's on. Can I watch her? <laughs> they were high. Uh, Misty May Trainer and Jennings, whatever her name is. Yeah, I forget the other girl's name, but weightlifting and wrestling. That's the last two. Nothing like seeing two guys mount one another. Yeah, Misty <laughs> May Trainer. I think UFC ever becomes a uh, Olympic thing? No. Something like, like mixed martial arts? I'll put it at, I think we're hmm, 20 years away from round net being a sport. What is that? Spike ball. Oh my God. I'm not, I think, I think it's going to make waves. Do you think that's what they're going to call it? Yeah, no, that's the official name of it. Round net. Spike ball is the brand. Round You're going to be going sport. for that, dude. I'll be there. I'll be in the Olympics. I'll be going. Winning gold. Oh, I wasn't saying going for that. You're going to be trying to make that team, dude. The amount of energy you put into spike ball. Yeah. That'll be me. Uh, volleyball pro. Oh yeah, Misty May Trainer and Kerry Walsh Jennings. There you go. The I've goats. heard that name before. They were the right. goats. The goats of Beach I've heard Kerry Walsh Jennings before. I haven't heard of the other one. She's a three-time Olympic gold medalist. As of August 2012, the most successful female beach volleyball player with 112 individual championship wins. Wow. Wow. Oh, six foot two. 
Can we do three, can we do three random players? I'm getting tired. Okay. I gotta get to bed. I gotta. Yeah, Haley's gotta get to bed too. So, uh, fuck, I gotta think of one. That's embarrassing on my end. Have one. All right, let's. Brian Lochte. Shut up. <laughs> that is a good one. <laughs> That's my pick. Be a better random obscure criminal than. Uh, the best. How was that five years ago? I mean, that's a really good yeah. That's a very good question. You know Elliot Friedman, the hockey announcer. Uh yeah, yeah. He did a like Olympic play-by-play for swimming one time in Canada for like the their national network, and he did got he? his lanes mixed up. And Michael Phelps was just like winning the race. And he thought it was Ryan Lochte. He's like, Ryan Lochte going for gold, beating all the odds. And then it just like M Phelps pops up and she's like, my mistake. Phelps with the gold. <laughs> I'm like, oh no. Jesus. That's. Oh, I can't even remember. I, this was this player just popped on the screen the other day when I was watching TV. What, what team? like a Red Sox. Uh, I don't even know the year, but it was just like an old Red Sox game, and I just forgot about the guy. I don't, maybe not necessarily obscure, but um, Daniel Nava just popped across the screen, and I kind of just lol to myself. Not not obscure because of the Patriots Day home run, but if you took that out of the picture, like yes, that would. But he is a guy I forgot about, and then I was like, that oh, that and he hit a grand slam on the first pitch you saw. Sure did. Sure did. That was cool. That's a good one. I like. Not your best, but I like it. Uh-uh. Good, good return to the show. So, Johnny, do you have an actual one? or Ryan Lochte did not qualify for this Olympics. That's yeah. too bad. He is a good Still in prison. He said it's not the end of the road for him, though. So. Oh, it's the end of the road. <laughs> yeah, probably. No, Ryan Lochte is my pick. He's a goat. Stop. He's a goat. He's a weird guy, but he's All right. Um, I have mine ready. So, the by September of 2014, like if you thought the Yankees lineup was bad this weekend, trotting out Rob Brantley and those likes, um, September of 2014 was an animal unlike anything I've ever seen before in my life. Um, the game where Derek Jeter hit the walk-off single in Baltimore. Um, if you remember the Michael K call, it's, you know. Oh, and the pitcher throwing right. a meatball right down the middle, the biggest rigged play in MLB history. Yeah. Literally is. It's, um, you know, blah, blah, blah. Base hit to right field. Play at the plate. Richardson is safe. Anton Richardson scored. A, scored a walk-off run on one of the best baseball moments of the past decade. Yeah. And I think he only, like, guy did nothing, literally nothing. Like, you know, didn't hit a single home run, maybe played in 13 games. I think he had two RBIs and only two runs or something like that. But the dictionary definition of an obscure player, but he will always be tied to that moment. So. Yeah, that was – I hate that play. It makes me mad. He just threw a – change up right middle middle was a fastball i don't know it was it, it was pretty obvious what was going on there all right my my guy is shout out, uh, hey, shout out david robertson by the way for blowing that game in the ninth and putting him in that position to begin with yeah it's pretty obvious what was happening there. all right so i'm gonna say on the theme of the olympics 
Dude, Ryan Lochte's kind of a savage-looking guy. He's kind of cool. Yeah, he's like a he's like a like a buff guy. He's got a very like thick neck. Also, yeah, between. his neck. All right, I'm picking another swimmer, Nathan Adrian. Remember him? I, I can't say I do. <laughs> Five-time Olympic gold medalist. What was the last Olympics he competed? 2016. He didn't make it this year. I, so wa- I watched like zero of the 2016 Olympics. No, yeah, he was like him, Phelps, and uh, and uh, Lochte were like the big three American guys. So that's my pick. Supposed to be in bath for you. What? Something to be in bath for you. Yeah, I thought I'd get creative. Probably the first the spirit non- of the Olympics. First non-Boston guy I think you've ever gone with. Oh. No, I picked uh, Rusty Kleslo last week. I well, I wouldn't pick that. That's why I didn't. Uh, yeah, because you you were too busy bombing. What was I doing last week? I don't know. Probably not. Stupid. Oh, you know what? No, I was in New York. I was in New York. Nice dude. Watching uh, when the Yankees were fun a week ago. An American icon. <laughs> he's a beast. Yeah, she's a beast. All right. What did he do again? Betty by. He just staged. He like needed to use the bathroom, so he kind of broke in. But then he said he was getting robbed and just being a clown. Yeah, that's sad. Yeah. All right. I gotta. Uh, I gotta hit. Them. Yeah, we gotta. We gotta wrap this up. I'm about to fall asleep. Um, this weekend sucked. Um, the Yankees are dead. I'm upset. Still don't care, though. Um, I'm really, really excited for baseball if I'm in October. Yeah, you'll be bumming in Connecticut, though. No, I won't. I will 100% be there. Round of the playoffs start? Uh, it's lining up to be Columbus Day weekend. I don't know when that is. No, it's right around the second weekend in October, I think. Second weekend? Yeah, you be home. Oh, God, Hilly, you're going to be home for that. I'll be home. Oh, boy. I'll have, to buy, I'll have to buy a ticket. It's lining up to be like start maybe October 7th, October 8th, around there, the ALDS. I was I was disappointed with the playoff game I went to. That's that. the day I come home. Felt like a regular season game when I went. Because the regular season ends Sunday, October 3rd. Then they usually have a – like a pattern. The one they have the wild card games. So usually, they usually have like a 163 day in advance there. So that will yeah. be the fourth. Wild card the fifth. Wild card the sixth. So then maybe they'll start the seventh or the eighth, which is uh, Columbus Day weekend. Be perfect. Yeah. So well, so it's like if the wild card game is Tuesday for one league, then that same league division series will be Thursday. Like it's right, every- right. So. I'm very very excited. I I I would hope that Fenway can improve upon when I was there. I was I was a little disappointed. I was in the I was in the center field bleachers for a Yankee Red Sox playoff game. It felt like a regular season. Dude, the bleachers are I think the bleachers at Fenway Park are my favorite place in the whole world. Thursday was a party. No, it wasn't where you were sitting. We no, went I over mean, to where you were rain, sitting. I mean, during the rain delay. During oh, the rain it was. Delay. Dude, me and James went over to where you guys were sitting and we're like, it's stuff like a funeral over here. Well, yeah, like, well, half of the people in the section left because it was all like half of the kids in our section were like on student nines and they'd never like there's one guy in the second they'd never seen a baseball game before in life half of those guys left and then Dude, we went up to section 39 with these random college kids and they were like super fun and then more kids just like came and started packing that section it was so fun <laughs> they started chanting student nines <laughs> it was really funny and then when they won we all like we all just like made a pile <laughs> it was so like there was this one yankees fan probably two or three rows in front of us 
just like wearing a Aaron Judge shirt or might have been Cole. It doesn't matter. And, and he was with a bunch of his Red Sox friends and everyone was like chirping and chirping. And then the guy, one of his friends just goes, by the way, guys, his name's Brian. And so they just start chanting like, a few Brian. And just start screaming like obscenities at Brian. And he was so funny. I'm so happy that I didn't go with you to that section because I can assure you that you would have done the same shit. Uh, no, uh, it's crazy how much cooler Brian was than you. You would have just left. You would have left. Brian That's handled it. Facts, I would have left, and I did leave. When Brian James handled it like a pro, Brian just kind of stood there, smiled, smiled the whole time, kind of took it, wore it on his chest, wore his pinstripes on his chest, stayed for the whole game. That's not what you would have done. You would have cried and left the stadium. Brian handled it like a pro. I went up to him after him, like, I know I was chirping you, but like I respect the hell out of how you just handled that. <laughs> what I sh- what I should have done this afternoon too. But 